Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is continuing our series with us with evangelist David Diga Hernandez in this message called Valleys. Now, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount and be sure to check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. It's loaded with information, constantly being updated with resources. Enjoy this message. Well, God bless you. You may be seated. Wonderful worship. And those of you watching online, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're excited to have you here with us. As Pastor Isaac had mentioned, Pastor Omar is with Pastor Eddie Vargas this morning. So you are stuck with me. And I'm going to be ministering a word. I want to talk to you this morning about valleys. So we're going to go to a very popular portion of Scripture. And of course, uh, my brother, Mr. Stephen Moctezuma, will be uh, backing me in worship as usual. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. This is a very popular portion of scripture. And I think that there is a lot of truth to glean from this portion of scripture, but it's important that we keep the perspective that the scripture has given to us in this particular portion of scripture. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37, I'm gonna read verses one through 10. Now, if you've ever felt like you've been standing in the middle of chaos. If you've ever wondered about the possibility of a good outcome in any situation you've faced, you've ever come up against trials and entered seasons of confusion, if you've ever looked at your situation and wondered how God was going to possibly make a way out of it, I want you to consider this. Sometimes, God will send you to the valley on assignment that you might bring those in the valley back with you to the mountaintop. So Ezekiel 37, go there now. Again, a very famous portion of scripture. The scripture, of course, refers to Christ as the lily of the valley. And I find that interesting because a lily growing in a valley represents many things biblically. I mean, the lily could be used for medicinal purposes. The lily, though it would grow tall, it would hang its head low. That represents his healing and humility. But one of the things I noticed about that reference is that the lily does indeed grow in the valley. In a place of difficulty, in a place of darkness, in a place of hopelessness, there is always hope. The lily of the valley. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, the Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones and covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, You alone know the answer to that. In other words, it's only possible through you. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles. Think about that. I'll cover you with skin. Here we see dry bones, an impossible situation. 
make them come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling, a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army, dry bones becoming a great army. Now, I find it interesting here in this selection of scripture that in verse one, the Bible tells us that it was the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who took Ezekiel and placed him into the valley. We don't often hear messages about how God puts you in difficult circumstances. Now we understand the scripture teaches us in James that God does not tempt us with sin. He, he wouldn't do such a thing. But think about the fact that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. Think about the fact that Jesus, though he was in the boat with the disciples, allowed them to sail into a storm. Think about the fact that God allowed his children to be taken captive by the Babylonians. Think about every instance in the scripture where God seems to put his people in hopeless, dangerous situations. And I'm here to tell you that if God placed you in a valley, it's because there's an assignment. If God placed you in a valley, it's because there's a purpose for your pain. If God placed you in a valley, it's because there is something that he wants you to say to someone who themselves is stuck in the valley. The Holy Spirit carried away by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit carried him away and took him to the valley. Now, because of their sin, their idol worship, their disobedience, the children of Israel were taken captive by the Babylonians. That's the context here of Ezekiel 37. The children of Israel, after generations of back and forth with God, after generations of repenting only to fall back into sin again, finally come to the place where God says, you know what? I'm making this promise. I'm sending you into captivity. Your children will be captives. You will be captive. You will lose your land. You will lose the temple. You will lose your livelihoods. And he used a wicked king to enact punishment on his people who refused to repent. At some point, there is consequence, even though God is gracious. And so he says, I'm not going to change my mind about this. I'm sending you to captivity. So the children of Israel are taken into a captive place. But then even in their punishment, God sends them this message of hope to the prophet Ezekiel. And the analogy that God is using here is simple, that just as the children of Israel were in a captivity that was unbreakable, so they were like dry bones, impossible to bring to life. Think about the impossibility of dry bones living again. Now you hear medical, you hear about medical miracles to where people were dead for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And these are powerful stories. 
but I don't know if I've ever heard about someone coming out of the grave after years and years of death and their dry bones becoming flesh again and having the breath of the spirit again and then coming to life. The picture they're painting is simple. This was absolutely impossible. There was absolutely no way, not just bones, but dry bones, mind you. But then as Ezekiel speaks the word, the prophetic word goes forth, the rattling of the bones begins to shake the valley. They come together, each bone properly connected to the correct bone and then muscle and then flesh and then skin. And then the spirit of God comes in, gives breath to them. They come to life and they become a mighty army. This is not a picture of something that would be possible without, man, without God. God uses the bones as an analogy to explain the situation of the nation of Israel. But to you and I, this is speaking about a people who are hopeless. You alone know the answer to that, Ezekiel told the Lord. In other words, why are you even asking me? I, you know, only you know if these bones can live. In other words, I, I can't do anything in my own power to make them live. It was a bleak, dark, depressing, hopeless situation. Now, I want to flip a paradigm here because when we hear this sermon preached, often we like to put ourselves into the valley and say, yes, I'm dead in spirit. I need to be brought back to life. Or yes, I'm in a dry season. I'm the dry bones. I'm spiritually dry. I need to come back to life. But I want to show you, in fact, that you are not the dry bones in this story. 1 John 5, 4 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. We have overcome the world. Romans 8, 37 says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Not even death itself can take our hope. Think about the fact that a Christian grieves differently than a non-believer. Let me show you that here. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, bones cannot represent us because we are not dead. John 10, 10 says the thief comes, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they have it more abundantly. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The bones do not represent you because the bones represent a hopeless people and you are not hopeless. So, well, we like to switch the story. We say, well, well, this message is about my dreams coming back to life. This message is about my spiritual life coming back to life. No, you're already alive. You are not the bones. Now let's take a look at the valley for a second because God is painting a picture, a prophetic picture for us with this portion of scripture. You're not the bones. You're definitely not the valley. The valley represents a difficult circumstance, a tough situation, something that you're facing that seems impossible. It was the valley of dry bones, a hopeless situation with a hopeless people. Psalm 23, 4, you've heard it in the King James. I'll read it in the New Living Translation. It says this, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. You are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Either I walk through the valley of the shadow of 
death. Valleys, biblically speaking, can be symbolic for struggles and circumstances that are difficult. Consider with me the Valley of Elah. This is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 2. This is the valley where David confronts the giant Goliath. This is the valley of conflict. Think also about the valley of Achor. This is when Achan and his family were stoned to death. This is found in Joshua chapter 7, verse 26. Achan had taken some of the plunder from a nation that they overtook that he was not supposed to keep. And instead of coming clean, he tries to hide what he took, buried under his tent. Eventually, he gets caught in his sin, and he and his whole family pay the price. Achan was stoned to death with his family. And they named that the Valley of Achor because that is where he and his family had faced the consequence of their sin, and that is the Valley of Consequence. Think about the Valley of Siddim. This is where, well, scholars debate this, but some scholars believe this is the exact location of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, whether or not it was the exact location, what we do know for a fact that there were slime pits there. It was not a clean place, and Sodom and Gomorrah definitely were near or in this valley. You'll see this in Genesis 14, 1 through 3 and verse 10. This is the Valley of Corruption. The Valley of Eskol is where the children of Israel, some of them decided not to cross over the river into the land that God had promised them. They said to their brothers, we're actually gonna stay here. We'll go help you when you go fight your battle, but we're gonna stay here and settle in this place because we don't wanna go any further. We like what we see. Now, though it's debatable with whether or not their decision was a good decision, the point is they made a decision. Some kept moving forward, some stood there, some chose to cross over, some chose to remain. This is the Valley of Choice. The Valley of Kidron is a cemetery. This is found in, and by the way, the Valley of Choice is Numbers 32.9. 2 Kings 23.6 talks about this valley. It's actually a cemetery, it's a graveyard. This represents death, this represents decay. This is the Valley of Crushing. Now, we can find ourselves in any one of these valleys at any point in time. But when you and I face a valley, we face it much differently than does a non-believer or someone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ in them. When we face the valley of conflict, we know that we can take refuge in Him and we know that He fights our battles and we know that He's our protector. When we face the valley of consequence, we know that there's grace. There's grace and a work being done by God even in the valley of your consequence. And this is one of the, probably this is one of the most difficult things to understand about the grace of God is that even in consequence, he's working and even in consequence, he's making things work out for your good and he's using that situation to better things. He's using that situation to restore you. This is this is how God thinks in, in restoration. God never, never thinks in terms of just purely punishment, always in terms of restoration. 
Because even when the children of Israel, I mean, you read Ezekiel and you see how frustrated God is. The whole book is just God telling them how he's gonna absolutely destroy them. I'm so sick of this. He says, you're, you're just, you're constantly going back to your idols. You're constantly, I mean, these people were sacrificing their children. These people were, were, were I mean, the, the leadership was corrupt. They would kick, kick people off their land and make up some crime, imprison them and then take over. And this, there was so much injustice. There was so much violence. There was so much perversion. God was like, I just, I can't, I, I've given you so many chances. And then even after he says, I, I'm done, he puts them into captivity. Then he says, okay, I'm, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna restore you for the sake of my covenant, for the sake of my word, for the sake of my name, I'm gonna bring you out of captivity. Not because of who you are, but because of who I am. And so even in the Valley of Consequence, you might be there. I know of families, I know of people who face difficult things and they wonder is, you know, how can possibly any good come from this? But I'm telling you, even in the Valley of Consequence, there is grace. Now for the unbeliever, they face that consequence and it's much different for them. The valley of corruption, you could be standing in the midst of a corrupt home. You could be standing in the midst of a corrupt workplace. You could be standing in the midst of a corrupt, corrupt school system. Enrique, your son is, is where, where is Enrique? Your son is going to the Marines. That, you can give the Lord a hand of praise for that. He's a proud father. Now when Mario sees this, and you'll make him watch this, Mario is going, I mean, I understand we, we, we honor our Marines and God bless them, but they will all tell you that when in the places they go and the, the culture of that, there's a lot to offer there. It's like their own little mini Vegas. He's heading to a valley of corruption. But even in the valley of corruption, God gives you the grace to live holy. Even in the valley of corruption, you may be in that valley, but that valley will not be in you. Now, when the world goes to a valley of corruption, they're, they're, they're exposed to all of that. You take a non-believer and put them into a corrupt place, they're done. There's, there's nothing protecting them from, from fully being given to the, to the negative effects of that corruption. We were just in Vegas. We did a two-night service. You were with us, right, David, in Vegas? Did you go and Steve, you, of course you went. We were there, we're driving through and, and um, Ruben decides to take us down the strip on the way to service. Says, this is the fastest route, I'm sorry. So he's driving us down the strip and I'm looking at, at all the people and they're, you know, they're, 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 they're smoking and drinking and we're, we're talking, this is Vegas, right? This is Vegas. And I told the team, I said, is this it? This is the epitome of the world, what the world has to offer? They have all of these, these, these signs and all of these flashing, blinking lights. I said to them, I said, the reason they have to have all these lights is to make up for the darkness that's in them. They, they need something to bring them to life. And even in that valley of corruption, some people would say, they were asking us, you're gonna go to Vegas? You're doing, will anyone even show up? It was so packed. I'm telling you, there was people outside who couldn't even get into the building. It was, it was, there was such a spiritual hunger there. Why? Because even in the valley of corruption, God preserves you. You may be in a home that is corrupt, a school that is corrupt, a system that is corrupt, whatever it may be, God can keep you. He's the lily of the valley. Maybe you're coming up against a decision. You're in the valley of choice. You don't know what direction you want to go. You're, you have opportunities and obligations before you. And the path forward is not clear. And the frustrating thing is that you can't find in chapter and verse specifically 
where you're supposed to go to school, where you're supposed to work, where you're supposed to live, what you're supposed to do. You, you can't find chapter and verse what, what degree you should study for. You can't find chapter and verse if the abuse has become so bad that you should escape the marriage. You can't find chapter and verse some of the things in life that are ultra specific to your situation. You can't find it. But what you can find is the wisdom that the Holy Spirit will give to you. What you can find is the guidance, the hand of God that sovereignly pushes you through to your destiny. In the valley of choice, you have God's wisdom. In the valley of crushing, you have hope. Your darkest moment, your deepest anguish, the most intense emotional pain you can think of, God is there. The loss of a loved one, God is there. The loss of a business, God is there. The loss of your mental health, God is there. God is there in the valley of crushing. He's with you in the midst of the most hopeless situation. So as I said, the believer faces valleys much differently than the non-believer. Now imagine facing conflict without the refuge of God. Imagine facing consequence without grace. Imagine facing the corruption of the world without the power to resist temptation. Imagine facing the valley of choice without divine wisdom or crushing without hope. That's the plight of some. So valleys are difficult circumstances and the believer does go to the valley sometimes. You'll have mountaintop moments and then you'll have valley moments. What you have on the mountaintop will sustain you in the valleys. Some believers are skipping that mountaintop, their prayer lives, so their lives nothing but valleys. God will take you through those difficult circumstances. He will process you in those circumstances. He will speak to you in those circumstances. He will reveal things to you in those circumstances. The unbeliever doesn't have that. Now see, for a moment there, I went off on somewhat of a tangent talking about valleys because I wanted to remind you of what it's like to struggle. And hopefully there was some appreciation and gratitude that was inspired in you for the Lord and how he sees you through those valleys. Now I want you to take the focus off you again. And I want you to put the focus on that one. Think about that one who loses a loved one with no hope of heaven. who faces a decision in life without knowing not just the wisdom of God, they don't even know their purpose. Aimlessly wandering through this life, grasping for something that tells them they have meaning. You're in the valley, but you're not the dry bones. You are not the dry bones. You're God's prophet speaking a word of life. This is not a message about the power of your words. This is not a message about how God will resurrect your dreams and hopes. This is not a message about the power of belief and not even necessarily a message about the power of faith. This is a message about how God sends you into the valley to raise the dry bones back to life with his word. God will always accomplish his word despite their many failings. And even when it seems impossible, God sends you. So you may be in this situation and you're looking at it saying, wow, 
I can't believe I'm in this situation or why me, God, or what is going on or Lord, when are things finally going to get better? But have you considered your assignment? Have you considered that maybe God put you in the situation knowing that you would be perfectly fine? When God allowed for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go into that furnace, he knew they would be perfectly fine. He was just trying to prove a point. He knows he's going to take care of you. If they wouldn't burn in the furnace, you're not going to die in the valley. You're not, this is not the final phase of life. This is not the end all. The valley is not where God will leave you. It's where he assigns you to accomplish something. My challenge to you this morning is to look around the situation and say, Lord, why am I here? Who am I here for? And what is the word that you want me to speak to bring them back to life? The impossible situation concerning these dry bones is that prophetic picture of someone who is dead in their sins, hopeless, lifeless, purposeless, joyless, and no peace. And God has sent you to them, and you may be looking at that spouse saying, can they be saved? Lord, only you know. You may look at that drug addict can they be saved? Lord, only you know. Look at that person struggling with depression and suicide. They are so far gone, so cynical, so skeptical that they seem beyond saving. Can they be saved? Lord, only you know. You have to recognize that anytime you go to minister to someone who needs the gospel, it's an impossible situation. Who are the dry bones? They're the stubborn and hard-hearted, those resistant to the word of God, the skeptical and the cynical, the lovers of self and pleasure. It's time to speak the word. You're in the valley to speak the word. You're in the valley to bring life. You're in the valley to bring hope. You're in the valley that you might find someone else to take back with you to the mountaintop. There is purpose in your pain. There is a reason for your struggle. God wants you to look around. We're so inward focused. We're so concerned with what's happening with us that we forget there are others there in the valley who are hopeless when we are not. Let me ask you, when is the last time you shared the hope of Christ with someone? During this whole situation, we'll just call 2020 a situation. It's not even a year, it's a situation. 2020 itself is a circumstance. 2020 is not a year, it's a valley. But even in the valley, there's life. Even in the valley, there's hope. And we're called not to stand around and say, Lord, why am I here? Or God, get me out of here. We are called to go and speak life to the dry bones. We're called to speak hope to the hopeless and healing to the hurting. God has given us an assignment. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's purpose for your pain. Church, you are on assignment. So maybe you're watching this right now and you're saying to yourself, I, I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm going to remind you of something because it's in moments like this that God becomes real. Remember that He makes a way where there seems to be no way. 
Remember that he gives hope to the hopeless, that he's a miracle working God, and there's no generation that's ever faced anything that surprised him. And just as he's brought you out of personal trouble, he can bring the globe out of global trouble. There's no issue or surprise for God. You and I here today need to be challenged to remember one thing, that he is the lily of the valley. He is that hope that grows in the dark places. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that as we've heard your word, your word would sanctify us. We know what we need to do. We need to repent. We need to repent. Those of you watching, we need to repent. Some of us, we've become so angry at the situation. We take it personal. We, we have this sense of entitlement. I should have this. I should have that. I should have been allowed to this. But we need to be aware and we need to repent. God, forgive us for not considering the dry bones. God, forgive us for not seeing the hurting in the midst of this situation. We thank you, Father, that we're going to be all right no matter what. Help us, Lord, to speak life and breath to that which is dead. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, those of you watching online, we're so thankful that you've joined us this morning. And please do make sure that you connect with us on all social media platforms. And remember that we're here Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Make sure to contact us through the social media. Message us. One of our church members, very friendly church members, will reach right out. Maybe God touched your heart. Maybe you prayed and you gave your heart to the Lord. Maybe something in the message challenged you. But you need to reach out to someone who will pray with you, talk with you, and welcome you with open arms to the family of God. Then go ahead, connect with us on social media. Leave us a message and someone will connect with you. But remember to tune in next time. I believe this Wednesday will be live again, 7.30 p.m. We love you. God bless you. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.